This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Get $100 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash PCPer100 and using promo code PCPer100 at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 490 being recorded on March 8th, 7th, 7th, <laughs> 2018. Try, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's close. Whatever, it's 20, 2018 as yes, well. I'm Ryan yes. Trout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walbreth. And I'm Alan. Oh. I'm Sebastian P. Oh, Shut so up, Alan. There's a surprise, <laughs> Sebastian. <laughs> All right. This is my voice. Why do I have Sebastian only in my left ear, but the other people in all of my ears? I don't know. <laughs> Sebastian's special. I'm, His I'm voice my is just left too mic, good. Not, I'm too far away from the right channel for you to hear it. No, no. It was a board issue. Hey, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm Alan. Hi. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we are only 10 episodes away from the big 500 mark. 500. We're going to plan a big, just like we have done in all the milestone episodes. <laughs> we're going to plan like a really... Yeah, like like especially for twenty, we're gonna ha- we're gonna plan a really huge blowout party. Sure. For five hundred, oh, uh-huh. it's gonna be great. What was the date you th- came up with again, Ken? If we don't skip one, May sixteenth. I think so. May sixteenth. So the snow will melt here. No, it won't. Yeah. I mean, probably not. I spent the Mostly. last two days and last day and a half and no, last one day I'll say in Minnesota, uh, and they had some snow. They had quite a bit of snow actually. Stayed across, stayed, stayed across the street from the Mall of America. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Remember when that was a big deal? Had a roller coaster inside. Doesn't still? It does. Has oh. a log flume. Has Ooh. a. Uh, Wasn't the the site of the old uh, um, baseball stadium? Yes. And yes. they've they've got a row of seats like on some strange wall. Oh really? I I haven't seen that. Uh, it also has an orange Julius. Inside Inside the Wetzel's pretzels. Hey, we've, we've got an <laughs> orange Julius. I didn't, honestly, area. I didn't walk around that much of it because I didn't like it'd be like walking around a theme park, essentially. Like it's an enormous thing. And also, yeah, whatever. So, uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we recorded on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcper.com slash live. You can come join us, hang out, watch us record, pre-show, post-show. Uh, we have a chat room for you to interact with us. We we monitor that moderately, some more than others. See what kind of interesting input you might have during our topics. Uh, If you need a little reminder about that location and time, you can go to pcper.com slash subscribe. You get this page here, which asks for your name, your email address, and then we send you a notification, an email, if you will, uh, before the show begins. Sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes five minutes, sometimes an hour and 30 minutes. It really just depends on what I'm doing in the run-up to the show actually being finished. So uh, that's that. We also have our Patreon campaign running. That is at patreon.com slash PCPer. This is your uh, opportunity, I would say. This is us asking you to support us financially, directly, recurring, monthly, all those adjectives work. Uh, if you believe that the content we create is interesting or funny or you know takes you out of whatever hellhole you're in for an hour and a half each day. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I use podcasts for myself, so I, I get it. I just don't listen to this one again during the week. Seems a little, you know, o- overkilling it. Don't worry, I do download it, though, so our, our podcast numbers are inflated by at least one. 
right. because I download it every week. If you so. listen to this podcast, there'd probably have to be some major changes. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so anyway, and if you uh, become a new patron, you increase your patronage during the show, I will give you a shout out. Uh, we have one already who has edited their pledge from $33 to $40 a month. Sir. Wow. Sir Bogative. Sir Bogative. His icon is a, is that a cat or a dog? It looks like both. It's a mug. It's half, dog. Like a half man, half dog. He's his own best friend. <laughs> He's his own. <laughs> Come oh, on, you guys, spaceballs, space right? Come on, I got you. I got you. I get. Who it. are you? Barf. Not here, Mister. This is a Mercedes. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thank you to everybody who is supporting us on Patreon. And uh, I need to watch that movie. Thanks. Uh, you've never seen it? I've seen it. Oh, okay. It's just been a really long time. Uh, we have our mailbags. Our mailbags are what is uh, uh, what allows us. Or Patreon is what allows us to do the mailbags. Uh, we got these out of order. I don't. Oh no! I think no you, idea how that happened. Uh, yeah, well, it happens. Uh, so we did a mailbag. PC per mailbag number thirty-three. I think Josh, are you going to record the mailbag this week? Maybe. Mm. So I, I think I solicited some questions for you, Josh, on Monday. Are they special questions? Uh, somebody asked about hamburgers, so they're right up your alley. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it'll be good for that. So yeah. if you want to see uh, some a member of the staff answer reader submitter question reader reader submitted questions for about twenty minutes or so, Josh, maybe forty five minutes. Um, you can do that on our YouTube channel or on PCBar.com. We'll sit there as well. So, uh, And then we're, we're going back to forwards. We have our merch store. This is our second week for that. This is at bit.ly slash PCPerMerch. Bit.ly slash PCPerMerch takes you to this where you can buy such um, uh, classic gear as the Death Wish Raid t-shirt, the classic PCPer logo on your chest t-shirt, the logo mug. Um, can I zoom out? Hey, you know what the best thing about hot dog down this a hallway entire, t-shirt? Do you, do you know what the best thing about all this is? I don't, but you're going to tell me. There's something to wear every day of the week. You're going to wear the mug? If you go <laughs> naked on Monday. Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> you're going to wear the mug one day? You, you know oh, what? I see. If the Chili Peppers <laughs> could do it with socks, yep. you could do it with a mug. I actually... Although we're going to need a sweet lemonade mug if you're going to do that. <laughs> That's talent, actually. All right. All right. Yeah, so get your sweet, sweet lemonade t-shirts. Get your super pipe t-shirts. Get your hot dog down a hallway t-shirts. I'm happy to report that we've sold at least one of every design, so there are some depraved people out there. So there apparently. is at least somebody who will be soon walking around in a hot dog down a hallway t-shirt. Again, that URL. It's that, bit- it's that guy. It's that guy from QuakeCon. He's preparing for the next QuakeCon. Remember that one QuakeCon where... The hot dog suit? No, no, no. Ryan's like, we're oh, looking for people to give away stuff to, and just out of nowhere, Ryan, like, off the top of his head, is like, someone who is, has every PC per shirt, oh, yeah, every yeah. QuakeCon, and I'm like, there's just no, there's no way this is going to happen. Sure enough, in the back of the thing. Apparently, I was, thought I was more creative than I was and setting <laughs> the challenge. He was but... wearing all of them. Yeah, I don't even... I, he yeah. had, like... That's good thinking on the part yeah. to, like, get... Free swag, oh, right? Yeah. Like, you can win the I most t-shirt contest. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so again, I hope he won a t-shirt. What did he get? I'm sure we just gave him a t-shirt. Yeah, I'm sure we yeah. just gave him a shirt. Yeah, probably. But that's all. Again, URL <laughs> bit.ly/slash PC per merch, all lowercase. So uh, 
We'll get you some of that. All right, let's jump into the stuff. Razer Blade Stealth Review. This is the first time we've looked at a Razer notebook. Ken did this review. Uh, what the hell did you think? Well, it's not for gaming. Yes. Which so is an important it, distinction to make when you say Razer laptop because everything you else, start to think yeah, gaming you do laptop, think that. right? Yeah, I agree. But this, the they started the Razer Blade Stealth in 2016, I think, and this was sort of... One of the first laptops with Thunderbolt 3, and it's where they launched the Razer Core, which is their external GPU box. Right. So right, it was the it. beginning of the actual delivery of the promise of external GPUs working on Windows. And that works now. With their, you can buy docs from other people. They launched the Razer Core V2 a little uh, late last year, I think, alongside <laughs> this laptop. But beyond that, it's a th- really thin and light and well-built 8th Gen Ultrabook. So we're talking quad-core, true quad-core processor, yep. hyper-threaded. 8550U, 16 gigs of RAM, 256 to 1 terabyte SSD. So they don't – So they don't. What I, what I do like is they don't offer cut-down versions of this. Well, if you're looking for a, a value prop on this, you're not going to find it because so, they, don't, so have they, a, they still, don't have an 8-gig model. They don't have a 128-gig yeah. SSD model. Yeah, they still technically sell – them with the seventh generation processor if you want a cheaper option they have the they have the dual mm, core okay. parts but they still start at 16 gigs of ram and 256 storage right so it's, it's very well equipped like you said you can't buy one of these with four gigs of ram and 120 gig ssd kind of lowering the starts at price with with a junk configuration that no one should buy because right you can't upgrade the ram on these things Fair. So what about like anything stand out, like design, screen, anything like that? I was really impressed by the screen. It's an IGZO panel. It's a QHD plus 3200 by 1800 IGZO panel, which we don't see. A, you don't see a lot of IGZO panels or at least people calling them out. And I thought it had really good blacks and the colors were quite vibrant. I know Alan took a look at it for a moment. When I opened up the laptop, I was like, oh, that's a good looking display. And I showed it to Alan. Yeah. And he uses an OLED laptop, which obviously isn't going to be as good as that. But I think it's it was, close. Yeah, it, was it just, it just close. doesn't get as bright as really the only. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, this is it's not. It's still a hundred percent sRGB, so it's not going up into the uh, P3 color space like we've seen some of the XPS machines do in recent past. So it's still kind of base color gamut, which I mean is absolutely fine on Windows these days. Yeah. It doesn't really have great Windows doesn't have great support for different color profiles yet they're still kind of working through that but i i I think it was a beautiful screen i I think i like the rest of the design as well it's very evocative of macbook listen it it looks like a macbook pro (laughs) okay it's not evocative it it looks like macbook um down to the trackpad look and and all that type of stuff the keyboard kind of layout but what you, you had some issues with the keyboard the trackpad in particular right they didn't feel great to me personally the the keyboard didn't have a whole lot of travel. They bottom out very quickly, so I just couldn't necessarily get used used to typing on it. The, the new MacBooks have that as well, right? Like yeah. really uh, low key the, travel. The new MacBooks have more travel than this. Really? Yeah. Mm, okay. I actually personally, I'm one of the few people who like the new keyboard on the MacBook Pros. The 12 inch MacBook is garbage with the even less key travel, but yeah. I, I I like the new MacBook Pros. I got used to it when I had mine. This is one of the worst chiclet keyboards i've used in several years and it's not like they didn't have in theory the space for key travel because this isn't the thinnest notebook we've seen mm-hmm. it, it, it's sure it's like half an inch thick i think so it seems like they had the ability to and razor makes good keyboards and they had i know at one point they were doing really low profile mechanical switches for some like external laptop keyboards like mm-hmm. i think like an ipad keyboard we're not seeing any of that here 
One thing I was really impressed with on the keyboard is the backlight. It's one of the best backlight implementations I've seen, which makes sense coming from Razer, right? Mm -hmm. They're really into keyboards and RGB. Interestingly enough, the we had the gunmetal gray option, which only has a white backlight. If you get the black chassis option, it has full Razer Chroma RGB backlighting. I have no idea why they made that decision. They're the same price. Yeah, that's weird. It just... It's, it's it's a weird oddity. Personally, yeah. I think the white backlight's fine. I don't really need RGB backlighting on my on yeah. my laptop. But the the backlight was very well isolated. It didn't have any bleed through in other keys, which the laptop I'm currently using for a review has a major problem with that. And we'll probably talk about that next week. <laughs> it's just a mess. But I was very impressed with the sort of backlight implementation. Yeah. Trackpad seemed a little bit too easy to press. The trackpad was better than the keyboard. I still don't think it had enough travel in it essentially i had a lot of accidental actuations palm rejection was really good actually it was better than most of the pc laptops i use and i'm pretty particular on that it kind of felt like the new macbooks that have these the uh electromechanical click pad instead of the physical one on the lightest setting yeah whereas when i had my macbook i'd always crank that up to the most firm right it's just a little lighter i, I don't think the trackpad is a deal breaker i think that's something you could get used to pretty easily okay but. Connectivity wise, we had what one Type C, uh, two Type A's, a full size HDMI, and a headphone jack. So no SD cards. Yeah, a little bare for. Yeah, it looks like there's more space here like for this. stuff. Yeah. Maybe you could easily imagine a full size SD card slot there, which I'd love to see. Yeah, I'd like to see another Thunderbolt three or USB C type. Yep, USB Type C. Uh, port with power delivery on the other side with the full size HDMI port. Mm-hmm. That way you can charge it from either side. That's mm-hmm. it's kind of. What I love about the promise of USB-C charging is the ability to sort of plug it into whatever side you want, depending on how your desk is set up. You don't get that here, which is a bit of a bummer. Uh, What about performance then? So uh, we we measured performance. We've we've looked at quite a few machines now with the Core i7-8550U in it. Uh, As it turns out, yeah. (laughs) Pretty similar to other designs, I guess. It, it stayed within the ballpark of the other 8th gen laptops and even the R52500U and the NV X, HP NVX30 X360 that we've uh, that we took a look at a couple weeks ago. However, it seemed to be towards the bottom of the pack for most of these tests when compared to the 8th gen laptops. And we think that's due to sort of a thermal trade-off because at 100% load, the fans on this laptop are really quiet. Yeah. It it never really gets jet engine loud like a lot of laptops. So it kind of seems like they're trading off thermal performance and at first noise. But I mean it's within ten to fifteen percent of the other laptops. So I actually think I prefer not having a jet engine when the yeah. processor is fully being used. You do a lot of the la- you do a lot of the laptop testing at the desk next to mine. Yeah. And <laughs> of course. I, I I will say for this one. I was shocked when I saw that it was running through an H.264 loop or whatever it was. Yeah. And I did not hear it. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, you a new XPS 13 or whatever, I can tell. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even the ones that I think are still really good designs and good implementations, when you suddenly start doing, you know, video transcoding for 40 minutes, uh, they start to cook a little. So, uh, interesting there. Anything on the storage performance looked kind of ho-hum, you know, peaked at... Two gigs, two point one by one point five gigs per second on that. 
using a Samsung PM961, which is essentially the OEM version of the 960 Evo. Yeah, it, it seemed like that performance might be a little tuned down, too, to prevent some thermal throttling, but it's still better than the vast majority yeah. of SSDs we see in notebooks. Battery life days. hits six hours, which is lower than like the HP Spectre X360, which is a bigger machine, right? Yeah. That's a 15-inch machine, so it's going to have a bigger battery. Um uh, but better than the the Ryzen Mobile as well as the pr- last year or not I guess it's last year's the previous gen XPS 13 with the 8250U in it, right? So uh, that's no, that's g- the Inspiron, not the XPS. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's that's Inspiron 13 Inspiron that we took a look yeah, at got a couple it. weeks got ago. It. it actually does have a relatively large battery at 53.6 watt hours. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure where it's coming from. Yeah, because you point out that the ZenBook Three has a smaller battery. Yeah. But is able to get, you know... And I, I even think, like, IGSO panels are supposed to be less on power draw, if I remember correctly, I than know. LCDs. I th- think that's a thing. Someone will probably have to correct me on that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Not the best. Six hours. You can... You can I mean, you can get through most of your day if you're yeah. not using it. Like, we do web browsing at a very high backlight. Yeah, we're, we're pretty test, so, strenuous yeah. on these machines in our battery tests, for sure. Uh, if we look at pricing, so... What does this start at? Uh, fifteen ninety nine. Thirteen ninety nine. Uh, yeah, which is less than I thought. Again, with two fifty six gigs of storage, sixteen gigs of memory, uh, and an, the quad core eighty five fifty U processor. Wh- what are the upcharges? Is it just it's higher storage? storage? Yeah. It's the only options. Yeah, and, and I mean storage is removable. So like, oh, is it okay? Yeah. It's re- so it's user replaceable. Yeah, there's that. an M.2 okay, slot good. in there. There's there's nothing. There'd be nothing wrong with going with the base configuration of this laptop because the one thing that you can change by configuring it higher is user upgradable, yeah. which is super nice to see. Like having that 16 gigs of RAM in there by default really opens things up. So it's an interesting, good, uh, you know, fairly good product for our first look at a Razer device. Not perfect keyboard, touchpad needed some needed some work. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd just I'd just like to see that keyboard improved. I mean. Razor of all companies, I would think, would be able to get their act together. Check out the review. It's on PCPro.com, obviously. We're going to quickly run through. uh, Lee posted a review of the Seasonic Prime 600 watt. I do not believe, I believe this might be our third Seasonic Prime power supply review. Um, Prime being the Seasonic, like, full migration from analog to digital PWM on all this. Uh, anything stand out as you were looking through this? There's review no though? fan. There's no fan. 600 watt power supply with no fan. And oh, it yeah. maintains oh, titanium. Yeah. titanium. <laughs> There's no <laughs> fan. Like, uh, that's kind of significant. Wait, what's the fan like? <laughs> Wait, what, what, how fast does the fan spin? Yeah, uh, no, zero. <laughs> I was looking at this, and I was honestly, I was looking at this picture. I didn't even notice that there was no fan there. Uh, and not only that, yeah. but if you take the bottom part out, you can use it as a colander. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, of you course. could like you could uh, rinse your of pasta course. off in this. Yeah, <laughs> and I do. <laughs> Helps it run cooler, you know. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. It is. It's really impressive. Yeah. Um, no, and it stays well above ninety percent efficiency the whole time he tested it. Multi GPU support. Yeah. yeah. Fanless at, operation. Zero dBA at three hundred watts. <laughs> it's ninety four percent. Is that its peak efficiency? Yeah. That's yeah. Its peak. Yeah. That's that's a pretty impressive. Fully that's modular still. This is probably then the highest wattage unit that exists that is fanless. I think so. 
I've not seen a higher wattage one. Yeah. It does look funny now that I'm looking at these pictures of the mesh and realizing that there's no there's fan no in fan. there. Yeah. Yeah, it's you can almost see the nipples. fishnet power supply. <laughs> so, if you do... He's <sighs> turning red. Beat red. Uh, Lord. So I would recommend having this in a portion of your case that's open elsewhere and not like sort of boxed well, in. Yeah, right? sure. You, you know. might not be water cooling your PC if you want to use this. Uh, one of the guys in the You're comments... You're going to want some airflow. One of the guys in the comments has used a uh, different... Uh, fanless Sonic in a water cooled system. Oh, uh, with a yeah. 1080 Ti. I mean, even even in most fine. modern cases, the power supply and Sebastian can correct me on this if I'm wrong. The power supply is kind of segmented off by its own anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. You so like, you don't careful. get a lot of airflow there by default, right? Because they have been, you know, thinking that the that the fan on the power supply would do that, and it kind of draws off from the bottom, exhausts out the back. So I'm not, you know. I'm not sure what would be the optimal configuration here. If, if the open area where the fan would be should still face down or up, I would assume up in this case. I would hope up. Yeah. yeah. yeah a lot of the when, cases when I've looked at in the last couple running, of years, the mid-towers, they put the uh, power supply in its own compartment on the bottom or the top. Yeah. yeah. So unless you've got triple fans on the front intake, there's nothing going over the PSU. You'd have to yeah. use a case that had a fan low enough if it's bottom mounted to have some airflow across this PSU, mm. which is not every mid tower will go all the way down to the floor with airflow. Well, it, the thing, the thing to realize is as efficient as this is, I mean, if you're running it like in a normal configuration, not like SLI config or just going crazy with it. So if you're only drawing around 300 Watts, 400 mm -hmm, Watts, mm -hmm. it's probably only dissipating 20 Watts. Yeah. Like that's yeah. because of the efficiency. Yeah. So it's, you're, you know, even if there's zero airflow across it, I mean, it can radiate more than 20 watts worth just away with with no air moving over it. The uh, the, the the primary downside here is its cost. It is a 600 watt power supply that will cost you well, 190 bucks. 190 bucks for 600 watts is is definitely on the high end. If not, you know, probably the most expensive 600 watt power supply that exists. Yeah. But you're paying for that titanium certification, the ability for it to run at that efficiency. And it has. And a I'm fairly sure I've seen like 450 watt fanless over two hundred dollars. Really? You just say twelve yep. year warranty? Alex? Twelve year warranty. Ten, twelve ten, ten is not enough these days. No. I, for for that kind of warranty. price, if you if you if it's going to be good for twelve years, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Even if you don't like have a, an incessant need for a silent power supply, yeah. right? But six hundred watts, I think, is is in the area where it, for the vast majority of builders, that's plenty. Right. You've got a you know 8700K or a Ryzen 7 and mm -hmm. a 1GPU. You know what the best part about that entire picture was? And I'm sorry to interrupt, but you could could you go back to there? With this one? Yeah, if you've got an S&M dungeon, what? this would be awesome. Okay, well, I didn't know when we were bringing special, we are going to have to cut somebody from the show early. So it's good to know that we have the fill-in so we can still maintain four... <laughs> Four yeah. people, so that's a plus. Uh, so check out that review on PCPro.com, the Seasonic Prime 600-watt titanium fanless power supply. Now, uh, Sebastian, we brought you on to talk through, uh, in relatively brief manner, I guess, these two reviews. The HyperX wireless headset, the Cloud Flight wireless. Uh, you don't want to go into excruciating detail and talk at length about both of these reviews? Come on. Uh, uh, sure, I'll, let you, I'll cut you off when we're done. No, it's, we don't have to spend a lot of time on these. <laughs> Pretty simple, straightforward. The 
the interesting thing about the cloud flight from HyperX is that they hadn't had a wireless headset before. I didn't realize this. Yeah. All their stuff was wired. This is their first effort. It's 2.4 gigahertz. Comes with the USB dongle. It's not using Bluetooth or anything, and it can still be used with a wire. It comes with a three and a half millimeter um, analog cable. And interestingly, they have two different um, specifications for the frequency response of these headphones, whether you're doing wired or wireless, which is pretty transparent of them because the the onboard amplifier isn't quite as good as what you can do externally. So if, mm. if you're using these wireless, you're limited to 16-bit audio, and it defaults to 1644. Uh, it's like CD quality audio. It'll do 48 kilohertz, so like DVD and uh, like multimedia audio, but you're not doing like high res with this, and you, which you could do with the analog connection. Got but it. The important thing to me is it's, it's basically got three things going for it. It's very comfortable, lightweight, very good padding, kind of a medium clamping force. Like I have, I don't know how to quantify like my head size. I guess it's like medium <laughs> size, but like on my head, they're just tight enough that they don't move at all. And they're not, they don't feel tight. Yeah. Like, there's no fatigue after wearing these for six hours. Right. Uh, and the, the other thing is the battery life. If you're using them wireless, you turn off the lighting. There isn't a lot of lighting. It's just the HyperX logo on each ear cup. But with that disabled, they quote up to 30 hours. I don't, I didn't do any kind of controlled testing for battery life over the course of a couple of days. I never had to charge them. I still haven't charged them. But uh, with with the lights on, they're like 15 hours. With the lights off, they're up to 30. Interesting. 50% volume. Here's a question for you. If the yeah. batteries are dead and you connect them through analog, do they still work? I think I the analog, tried. I think the analog Actually, just yeah, bypasses everything on those. But that's yeah. not always the case. My Bose headphones did not do that, and it annoyed the heck out of okay. me. It's because it, you bought it, Bose headphones. Oh, my God. Because it was the sound isolating like circuitry, everything has to go through on the Bose. Well, right? it could not. Yeah, there, there are plenty of noise canceling headphones. headphones that do allow you to pass through. Yeah. Right, right. But then I have it not intentionally also... killed the battery and tested that, Ryan. I'll have to get back with you on that. And it wouldn't also do the sound isolation. Sure, but they would work as Yeah, headphones. but they would just work instead of being useless pieces of plastic in my bag with the batteries. My Sony noise canceling headphones do that. They, they just work without the noise canceling yeah. when the battery's dead. Okay, something to Speaking look at. Speaking of Sony, these are these are very Sony like Ken. Like mm -hmm. the not only the the look, but the way they sound. They have what I would describe as like the Sony over ear headphone sound. Like of just a very slightly recessed mid range. So you're getting a little bit more bass response, but they still sound very clear. Uh, very. Very close to what I would consider audiophile headphones. They sound. How much are they? One fifty nine on Amazon. Yeah, fifty nine. Yeah. yeah. How's the mic? Huh. I would say it's a little above average. It's not <laughs> the best mic I've tested so far. Was on the Logitech. I can't remember the model now. Those the ones that I had that were red. They had like the fabric finish. Oh yeah. Five uh, thirty three. Ridiculously maybe? good microphone on those. Yeah, that's interesting. But this mic, just kind of average, yeah, a little above average. Good for gaming, not for podcasting type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's like TeamSpeak and Discord, like 
yeah. you know, certified audio. <laughs> very clear, but very mid-rangey audio. Now, these lists, the PS4, PC, PS4, PS4 Pro, I guess that's because they're connecting through Bluetooth to the to the PlayStation? No. If, if it can do wire, I didn't even try it with my PS4. I should have. If it's doing PS4, it's with the USB dongle. It doesn't have Bluetooth. Otherwise, you're just connecting to the uh, controller with the 3.5 millimeter. Right. Because, well, my assumption would be that you could do that with the Xbox as well, if that's all it was. Yeah. I don't know why right. it said PS4 only because anything, it can connect to any console that accepts yeah. analog audio. So how, how would and, these compare to like the Logi 603s or their wireless versions? Because, you know, Logitech really came out and said, hey, you know, we, we've got these about as neutral as possible. We've got these special cones in there. I would say would you compare? the sound signatures of the Logitech with the Pro G drivers compared to these, these, there's a little bit of an audible difference between a 40 and a 50 millimeter driver, depending on the ear cup and the implementation and all that. But these are 50 millimeter drivers. They are capable of sounding a little bit bigger. Like they do have slightly more prominent bass. And a, they probably and don't trail off at the bass range. nearly as much just because of physics. Yeah, like the, the Pro G drivers have pretty big magnets and they have a lot of bass for 40 millimeter drivers. Uh, and they are definitely more neutral. I would say they have more mid range uh, <laughs> than these do. So they sound pretty flat. These don't sound flat, they sound a little bit more bass heavy. Not extreme, but just slightly. A little bit more like of a beats sound than like a Grado sound, which is like a really mid range heavy headphone sound. So how about uh, soundstage wise? Uh, good. Um, they definitely don't sound narrow. The widest headphones I've ever heard are from Audio Technica. The uh, 80H700X headphones that I have sound really, really wide, and these are a little bit below that, but they're they're like on par with with Grado. Like the the wiring in these headphones is actually is obviously good because they've maintained good stereo separation. Got it. That's good because I, I thought that, you know, in my testing in the past that the Grado headphones like these have a pretty wide sound stage. I mean, if you close your eyes and they have good source material, you can really easily identify where stuff's coming from. And that's really you coming know, from it's, channel it's not narrow. And so like, that's that's impressive that something a hundred amplifiers and the and the speakers, the headphones, everything that's that stages the best is just more isolation between left and right channel. So that the wiring in these is, is good. Um, I'm trying to think hmm. of the headphone that it reminds me of, but I cannot think of the name of it right now. But not a gaming headphone. It's they're in a little bit different league than most gaming headphones I've heard as far as this overall clarity and sound quality. So very impressive. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that a HyperX branded thing does this well. It when it's connected wired. Wireless, it's good, but it's not as wide. It's not as detailed, but you're you're limited by the onboard DAC and amp and 16-bit audio. Hmm. Well, HyperX CloudFlight wireless review on the site, and we're also now going to move into the Corsair Carbide 275R. It's a brand new case from Corsair. Just launched this launched this week. Tempered glass, mid tower case, shiny pictures. But does this one, do the fans go all the way to the ground? <laughs> they can, because there's a cutout. This one only okay. includes one intake fan, but there's a cutout on the uh, 
the floor of this case, which isn't really a floor, it's like a shroud over the PSU. So this is yet another one of those cases where if you had a fanless PSU, it's not getting any air unless you specifically put a fan down there. Right. But this is, uh, if you've seen some of Corsair's um, compact mid-tower designs lately, it still holds an ATX motherboard, but it's kind of tight. Uh, and they're not very tall. They're not very deep. They're kind of like a a square when viewed from the side. And they they managed to f- have great component clearance because they're just wide enough to hold like the tallest cooler I have. Like mm. CPU cooler uh, clearance is up to 170 millimeters in this. So like a 165 millimeter coolers fit just fine. You've got room for three uh, fans up front. And it comes with one. It comes with one on the back as well. So you get some decent airflow through this thing out of the box. But you're you're dealing with kind of that modern classic case setup that a lot of these have. Bottom mounted PSU. Right. Seven expansion slots, uh, 120 millimeter rear exhaust, and then two or three up front, and then another two or three up top. But when you get this compact, you don't have a lot of space up top. So, scroll. The, up. Go ahead. That rear I/O is that like a additional dual slot, right there? Yeah, it's. There's a couple of cases that have been like this lately, where they oh, they're cut yeah. for a vertical GPU installation, but they don't come with the stuff to do it. So if you get a separate uh, riser uh, for your GPU, you can install it vertically up front or any other card. And suffocated against tempered glass. Yeah. Yeah, a little. <laughs> so yeah, maybe not a GPU then. How is the that side panel GPU? Sebastian, how is that side panel attached? Is that just four screws or does it slide off? No. It's not just four screws, it's four bolts and they're hex yeah. bolts. Ooh. Oh. This kind so of on a the big next negative. page I, I show you the the little Allen key it comes with. Can can, yeah. can you over tighten those and crack the crack out of it? Yep. Probably. Really? You should try it. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, they might bot well, no, I don't know if they bought them before the I was gonna say, do they bought them before that? Do they have rubber grommets on them yeah, at all or anything to prevent that? that one yeah, what are you talking about? Like on the glass? Yeah, the screws. Yeah, on the screws or the yeah, glass, yeah, but yeah, the screws don't actually touch the glass at all on this one. There's a rubber uh, grommet or washer right. that goes through and kind of sticks out both sides of the glass. So when you tighten mm. the, down the uh, bolts, they're only sort of squishing against the rubber. They're not actually oh, touching okay. the glass. Well, that's good for vibration and like it shouldn't rattle yeah. around yeah. at all. Just a pain in the butt to get the side off if you need to get in there for some. So yeah, that, was, that was my only real complaint with it. There's two things about this case that that I wasn't wild about and everything else I liked. Uh, the front uh, intake is pretty slim. Yeah. It's just a slim space in between the front panel and the frame. Yeah. You get you get enough airflow. This wasn't the worst airflow case I've tested at all. But it's, it's near the bottom of the current crop of cases that I've tested. Got it. it ended up like second uh, over, like overall. Mm-hmm. in in mm-hmm. temperatures but like second from the bottom but otherwise it was about average for noise it, it was it's not like i had to weigh everything against the price like this is a case that is a 69 dollar case with the acrylic side 
which is actually a full side. It's not just a windowed metal panel. Right. And it's six, it's 79 for the tempered glass side mm. version. Okay. Not an expensive case at all. Like no. The previous kind of sweet spot for these cases was the NZXT S340 at, I believe it launched at $69.99. That's just with a acrylic window. Wasn't tempered glass. They came out with a tempered glass version later. There was a slightly higher price point, but to come out with a case mm. at that same sixty nine and then offer it in, with glass for ten dollars more competes very favorably against the S three forty. Yeah, it doesn't look bad in these noise tests, right? It's it's lower than the N one three hundred one, lower than the Silverstone, but you know slightly above the you know Corsair's four sixty X or you know in line with the Fractal Design R six. So yeah, yeah. their own crystal 460 X case, which basically this has kind of the same footprint as that case uh, is louder, but it's more wide open all the way around. It has yeah. bigger gaps between the tempered glass panels and the body. So this one's a little bit tighter, but that also helps reduce noise. So it's a trade off like any silent or more silent case is generally going to have higher temps. Right. But not always. Right. So overall, I thought it was solid and it looks nice. I mean, yeah. it's, got like the kind of feet on it that look like they go to like a AV system, like a, maybe like a, I've seen turntables with feet like this and it's got an, like I got the white one in for review. So that's personal preference. This is also in black. It's a nice matte black. Cool. All right. Check it out. That's on the website. Before we uh, move on to our ad break, we do have a patron, new patron, $5 pledge from Christopher happy. Also so has, has the same dog, cat, looking icon. That must be the default icon. Mm. Oh, well. Thank you very much, Christopher. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Let's take a quick second here. Thank today's podcast sponsor. This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Casper. Says it over on the thing over there. It says Casper. Uh, Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Now we've got a new product that they're that they're marketing that we're advertising that that I have slept on and used. Now it's, this is the Wave. The Wave by Casper is the most innovative mattress of Casper's to date. It allows you to feel relaxed in ways you've never thought even possible, given uh, uh, giving you deep restorative sleep. And I think that's important. It is important. That's kind of the whole point, I think. It features temperature-regulating technology to help you sleep cool and comfortable without overheating during the night. Whether you're a back, stomach, or slide, slide sleeper, side sleeper, the Casper Wave gives you the support and relief you need for a good night's sleep. It adjusts your body and natural curves. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we Hopefully we've muted Josh. Only the Wave has five layers of superior foam, including a cushioning top layer for maximum comfort. You can try it out, as with the previous mattresses, the Wave in your own home for 100 nights risk-free. You can buy online, get it delivered to your door in a small compact box, and all Wave purchases come with in-home white glove delivery and setup for free, which is obviously an added plus there. Um, we have uh, upgraded to the Wave mattress in our house. It's actually, the first thing I noticed was it's a little bit thinner, a little bit shorter, more compact, mm -hmm. depending on you know how that you know whether or not that affects any any quality of it. But it slept great. It was cool. Um, I still love the unboxing experience of these mattresses. <laughs> it's still really interesting to do. It kind of you know cut that cut that plastic step away for a little bit, just, let it kind of out and expand. You know, make sure kids and cats are no longer in the area because they might get underneath the mattress. 
Just don't do that. Um, and actually, now for this offer, they've raised the benefit for $100 off of your Wave purchase. Visit casper.com slash pcper100 and use promo code pcper100. Terms and conditions apply. That's $100 off your purchase by visiting casper.com slash pcper100 and using promo code pcper100 at checkout. Who knew that listening to this podcast could be such a financially beneficial thing for all of us? myself during that entire segment and i about had an aneurysm <laughs> mm-hmm. that's good i'm glad there I'm, were a couple of things no, i'm not in control i'm not glad you almost had an aneurysm i am glad you were muted so thank you very much and thank you to casper for sponsoring this episode of the pc perspective podcast okay now uh, I believe we talked about AMD market share like at the very very end of last week's episode and apparently I said we'd talk we touch on it again. Mm-hmm. I don't know I don't remember exactly what I said last week and what we would want to talk about here. Oh, you said lots of shit last week. Yeah. 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 You said about AMD's this? for fools. No. So the interesting thing that happened was JPR, John Petty Research, released their data and uh there was a quarter to quarter jump of um was it 6%? 6.5% in AMD's favor. So Q3 of 2017, AMD had 27.2% of the market share of mm-hmm. sales, right? In Q4, that jumped from 27 to 33% market share, a huge jump. And obviously, since there's only two players in this field, that means NVIDIA dropped from 72 to 66 that is, I, I would say, probably one of the biggest jumps in a single quarter we've ever seen. Um now, what's interesting about that is this should come as no surprise anybody who listens to this podcast and or follows the GPU market. That's not because of gaming. Probably not. It's not. Nobody can buy video cards for gaming anymore. That's true. Not, not nobody, but a lot of people cannot. Uh, and if you are, you're paying a whole lot more for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like AMD released something magical in Q4 that would have shifted things the other direction. So... Um, this is JPR associates this this shift with the cryptocurrency mining stuff, which is interesting to me because like people buy NVIDIA GPUs for mining quite a bit, I would assume. So why why the um unbalanced sales to that? Is it just that AMD partners were more willing to sell to these guys direct than NVIDIA partners? Or something like that. I don't know. I don't really have an answer for that. Um, it was just interesting to see. Now, the downside to this is that if slash when the mining, the cryptocurrency mining stuff falls off or away from GPUs or whatever you want to get into in that debate, um, are these market share numbers sustainable mm-hmm. for AMD? And I would say, you know, as far as we know, there's nothing on the GPU roadmap that's coming out anytime soon in 2018. And so if, if all the cryptocurrency just magically disappeared overnight, what would the landscape look like? What would the value landscape of GPUs be? And I still think, you know, NVIDIA is going to maintain a significant lead. I mean, even in these numbers where we talk about a huge shift, keep in mind that that was 33% AMD, 66% NVIDIA. So right. it was still a two to one is that right? Yeah. yeah, two to one, not three to one. Two to one ratio of, of sales on that stuff. So how, how was not it? To, not to mention. Go ahead, can Josh. I, can I speak? Yep, go ahead. Uh, the added complexity of the HBM implementation on the AMD side for the Vega 56 and Vega 64 is compared to just using a regular GDDR5 and right. GDDR6 for 
Well, nobody uses 1070, G6. 1080, G5X. 1080 Ti. G5X. No yeah. one uses G6. Sorry, G5X, yeah, not yeah. 6X. Sorry. I agree with you, but that would that Getting would that, that would lean that would lean me to or, or like push me to believe that Nvidia would have the advantage in being able to sell to these guys. But and that, not only that, that but they're the smaller dies for each thing, and the power is less. So you've got smaller yeah. board costs. You do. I, I mean, I don't think the majority of the AMD market share increase was because of Vega. I think you it was because of Polaris. Uh, yeah, I pr- yeah, probably. I think they can make Polaris quicker and cheaper. And everyone has been every RX five eighty has been bought since June. It was like before June. Yeah, even. like it was the card all of this started with last year it was like 480 580 it was like oh sweet spot for ethereum and then people started getting interested in more altcoins that nvidia gpus had advantages with right. and then some more stuff amd gpus had advantages with but polaris is where it started so i'm not at all surprised to see that maybe they ramped up manufacturing of 580s earlier they had the opportunity to yeah. ramp those up it was a maybe. lower risk thing to ramp up isn't isn't that really nice that the Polaris the five eighties which is uh, you know an MSRP of two hundred and thirty mm. bucks is is selling for four hundred to five hundred bucks isn't that wonderful It's amazing I saw one today yes. at Best Buy for like three seventy five I was like oh shit that's cheap and then I had to think about oh <laughs> no uh. it's not no stupid stuff <laughs> and you had to have a little cry in the corner yeah, yeah. Uh, this JPR report also claimed that the add-in card vendors sold more than three million units of add-in cards to cryptocurrency miners directly worth more than $776 million in revenue. Um, that averages out to $258 per card, which is actually a fairly high ASP for graphics cards in general. Yep. Right Now, for the enthusiast community, we tend to think of that like 250 as being like mainstream. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, $250 for an add-in card is a high-end, is a high-end product. So... <laughs> Uh, also worth Still noting funny. that there were pro- apparently like last year in 2017, 52 million add-in <laughs> cards sold, period. Three million of which, at least three million of which went to cryptocurrency miners directly, which is 6%, which is maybe just a coincidence that part of that market share. Three million. Three million. That, like that's I said, a lot that's, of cards. That's to direct, not like through Newegg, right, Amazon, right, whatever. Right, we're right, tracking right. that stuff is extremely difficult. So um, it, I think... It's this is it's still good news for AMD short term. I still think it's bad news for everybody long term, um, because do you, do you know why it's partially bad news? I I think I do, but go ahead. Because because people who want to build their own system, they they price it out and they're like no, and so they either buy a pre built which may not have all the things they want, or they're just going to say you know screw you guys, I'm going to buy a console. Yeah, and you know the gaming industry is one of the growth industries, yeah, in the world. And if you're moving away from the PC and you got people going back to consoles because they're cheaper and they give you a pretty decent bang yeah. for the buck, well, they definitely why, give you. Why would you go back to PCs when they just in between memory prices and GPU prices? It's nuts. Yeah, Jeremy, well, the AMD will be upset. That you're going to consoles. Well, so they're the you well, know th- they're the beneficiary of it of the two companies, but they make less per 
Xbox sale than they would if they sold you an add-in card. Um, Absolutely. And also, they have no control over that market, so they have no long-term you know, strategy of, of customer retention, whereas they, and, they get and you on the Radeon brand, that, they will, with drivers and software yeah. and all that other stuff. But not only that, but but how often do you buy a console versus buying, yeah. a, a, historically speaking, yeah. buying yes. a new GPU? I mean, year and a half for a new GPU, six years four for to a five console. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The You're problem right. is nowadays it's probably closer to three or four years uh, with the way the prices are going. Most people aren't even thinking about it right now. For GPUs, you mean? Yeah, for GPUs specifically. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah GPUs are a different conversation. Joe Joe says in the chat that AMD makes the chips and the consoles. They they. Don't they license them? They license the yep. technology to Microsoft and Sony, who then produces them and and uses them in their own system. So AMD is not like making the chip and selling it to them at a markup. They're they've licensed it, and I, their license agreements are per console or whatever they're going to be. Uh, but they're making less than they would if an add-in card partner sold a card. There's not a question about that. So um, that's the AMD stuff. Like I said, I think it's good news for now, but it's one of those things like. It would not shock me at all if in Q1 2018 this reverts back. You know, AMD loses 6% and NVIDIA gains 6% and we're back to where we started. Or <clears throat> it could go, you know, three or four or points further. the other way. Yeah. Right? It, it could, depending on what AMD's decision was on ramping up. And as long as they're able to sell it from a financial standpoint, good for them. It doesn't affect anybody, any of us who are like trying to buy cards for gaming or whatever, anybody listening. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess uh, until Matrox designs the perfect mining card and suddenly takes over the entire it. market. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> we'll all have to buy. We'll all, Raj is going to save us all by giving us GPUs that Intel makes um, that nobody can mine with somehow. That'll be what it is. Uh, let's see. Next thing. Jeremy wrote this up. Good news, everybody. RAM might only get somewhat more expensive this year. They're in a really, really lousy mood, and someone suggested, well, why don't you just punch yourself in the head a couple of times? Well, why uh, yeah. would I do that? Well, because it'll feel really good when you stop. <laughs> that, that's essentially what we're looking at here. So last year, we saw DDR4 jump by just about 40% uh, on the frequencies that are most common for people to buy. Uh, server prices weren't quite as bad, but for just a general PC, yeah, you're looking at about 40% increase above what they launched at. So the Good news is that we're probably only going to see like maybe a 5 to 10% hike over the next year. Oh, cool, cool, cool. You know, isn't that just amazing? So you'll be paying half again as much as if you just bought a whole bunch at the beginning when they first launched it. Yeah, and this is still an issue of uh, capacity at these memory fabs. They're, they are building more capacity, but not quickly enough. I don't want to say quickly, no. but... Because I, I don't like I don't know the complexity of building the fab. It's probably pretty hard to do. Yeah, well, I mean, Samsung's got one down that's hopefully 2020 ish, 2019 maybe. Yeah, uh, and that's like sort of the, the the biggest one that's coming out. I think the other guys have a couple of them, but they're going to start small production, so it's not going to have an effect anytime soon. And yeah. I, the other problem is that RAM is now spread out in. To so many different markets. Uh, I mean, it used to be that a 64 gig phone was one of the highest things you saw. Yeah. Now that's just about the body base model. Yeah. Uh, your car is eating it up. Like your your TV is eating up. Everything is chewing from the same pool of manufacturers. So, yeah, it's it's us that are kind of suffering for it. 
Damn these people. Damn everybody. Damn them all. Uh, I know what we need to replace the lack of system memory in our life. More RGB. It mm. is RGB chairs. <laughs> Spreading like herpes. Uh, yeah. I could get behind that. You might want to <laughs> get, get in my front wife's of it in instead. Gomdias Achilles P1L gaming chair. With RGB lights on the back of it, right? I actually, when I yep. first saw this picture, I thought that it was on the front, like where your neck would be. That makes no sense. Like behind your shoulders is like, this is dumb. But hey, we have plenty of mice that have RGBs underneath where your palm rests when you're using yep. it. So there's that. So, uh, what, <laughs> Jeremy, well, I mean, what the hell? Kyle tried it out, and there's a video you can watch if you really want to. Apparently, uh, his kids loved it. Of course, Kyle. Uh, Kyle of course. Kyle. Look at, that. Look at this. Kyle, don't make me take down this podcast video. There he is. <laughs> Do he not looks so happy. Where's the door? Open the chair. Yes, this is my favorite part of every chair. It's <laughs> putting the damn Trying thing to put the damn together. thing together. Well, how do you Jeremy, how do you power it? Is there a battery in there? I guess it, it's not corded, right? It's not No. What then? Kinetic energy. Well, keep going, watch is it, it. Is it fart powered? What? <laughs> <laughs> old man leaning back in the chair uh, Ryan did that when he got his everybody his does that of course okay so <laughs> so what uh, Jeremy you're just gonna are wait. we gonna see this chair lit up or what or is he gonna well I mean you, you gotta wait what and, and see it oh oh there we go okay oh looks cool yeah that, that's it but yeah it's there's a little uh, rechargeable battery in it from what I know so it, like there's uh, recharge my chair so you do have to plug yes, it yes like literally you have to recharge the chair but I mean it, it, mm. if you're buying an RGB chair right, it, having a USB port on the back of it's just going to make sense to you somehow isn't it I suppose $430 you're going to yes. trade in your uh, new fell off a truck Aeron for this <laughs> it wasn't stolen it was maybe stolen but no, no, I don't think I'm going to trade in the air on <laughs> for oh, uh, and Square. If you click through to the uh, product page, you, you will also see the world's most useless leg rest. Uh, is, is it an RGB leg rest? No, no, it's just uh, I'm scrolling. My legs scrolling. are slightly longer than this. Looking for a leg uh, rest. Oh. oh, it's like a more like Keep a going down. knee rest. Keep going. <laughs> there you go. It's, that's it, like. It's, Apparently, it's for people who like gaming with their knees around their neck. Um, uh, okay, yeah, you like to scrunch up and put, yeah, put your okay, feet on it. Sure. I, I, yeah. I just I don't get hey, it. Hey, okay. No, that's fine. Yeah. But I don't, I don't get, get the either, RGBs either, so there you go. If you put your feet on that and you lay the back all the way back, then you're pretty much guaranteed to flip over. Oh, uh, yes, for sure. Yes. Yeah, with all the weight of that high. Yeah. 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 But thankfully, people will see you coming because of the lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where the lights go, oh, Jeremy fell over again. <laughs> Technoscope has a great idea in the chat. Okay. They need a really large Qi wireless pad that you put on the floor. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> I actually thought that maybe you would recharge it with moving the wheels on the thing. Now that's a very that's a much more complicated system that's to integrate into. Don't need to share that much. But no, like, I have a stroller. Friction. I have a stroller that recharges a battery by pushing the stroller. Sure, but the right? stroller moves around more than your desk chair. Yeah. Hopefully. But you just do desk chair races. Like, oh no, yeah, no, fair. no God, I've got two more hours. Oh, this is right. <laughs> How much moving does he do? Yeah, not much. Not much. Yeah, I don't really go anywhere anymore. That chair stays still. So there you go. All right. 
There's your RGB chair update for the week. Uh, thanks for that, Kyle. Uh, AMD announced Project, Project ResX. I'm going to call it ResX. Yes. Um, this is an interesting thing. So it is essentially the, the ResX stands for Radeon Esports Experience. And the goal was to optimize performance for some of the most popular PC games for Radeon GPUs. Um, Let me stop you right there. Okay. Is that not what they're already doing? Generally speaking, well, that's what that's what you would think they're doing. Well, so here here's the designation, right? Here's here's the difference. In general, once a game is out and stable and performance is pretty good, uh-huh. then they would be moving on to whatever the next AAA title that's coming out. Okay, right. And so the goal with this project was because these are older games. Well, um, games that have been around. Yeah. For a while. So we're talking about right. um, PUBG, Overwatch, and Dota Two. Okay. Right. Games that have been out for a while. Like PUBG has plenty of room for optimization. That's that should I don't think should be considered in that same category. But whatever. Um, and the idea is, let's figure out how we can you know increase the frame rate, but more importantly, create more fluid gameplay, more responsive, kind of lower that input to display latency as best as possible. Okay. Now it's also kind of confusing because you're right. Like this, you kind of assume like, well, you should be doing this anyway because popular games sell video cards. It's, it's kind of the right? job of driver updates, right? Yeah. Like to make things I, I agree. work better and I faster. Agree. Yeah. Also, that they had, uh, I believe it was timed with the Vega release, had a driver that that aimed that was specifically like a feature of the driver that was specific to lowering input latency of key like DX9 games like League of Legends, Dota 2. You remember this? I can't. I couldn't find the specific date. Um, but they were talking about specifically like they had found some low-hanging fruit where they could, you know, adjust buffer sizes or, yeah, you know, that sense. type of thing. Yeah. So they, they kind of started down that route. So um, the project is interesting. They, interesting. They talk about, you know, AMD sees an 11% improvement in average frame rate. Uh, and 9% improvement in the 99th percentile frame time in PUBG, for example, okay. with this. And that's really good. Yeah. But it's it's not like from the most recent driver to this driver. It's from the first release of the Adrenaline driver, which is in December, to this one. There's also several game patches that have occurred in the meantime. Right. Uh, AMD goes out of the way to talk about in this that they both – you know, did optimizations in their driver, but also were sending engineers out with to the, vendor the, the software or, developer yeah. if they would allow it, or if they would allow them to send code in for review, they would do it that way. Right. So they, you know, they're they're definitely spending time and money and energy to do this. Um, my my questions around it still are like they call it Project Res X. Right, it has a name. It's been marketed. It's been branded, but I couldn't get anyone to commit that this was going to be a long-term thing. That mm. there were other games coming. You know, th- there was the insinuation of yeah, we, you know, as we see other things we can do, we'll expand this type of thing. Yeah, but if if they're not going to come out and make some commitment of, you know, the top twenty games by play time every year, we're going to focus, you know, yeah, so 20% more energy, 50% more energy than we were in previous years, blah, blah, blah. Like to me, it, it loses a lot of its teeth as a, as a story because it's just, there's, there's branding, there's a current set of games, but there's no future. It doesn't feel like it yet. It, they, they haven't yeah. committed to anything like that. And yeah. instead it this, it, it has the feeling of a one-off fix which is which is fine but in which case you would just put this in the driver release notes maybe you go out and do a media tour with it you kind of call yeah. some people and you talk through it but you don't create a brand you don't have you know uh, a special you know slide deck built 
for this specific feature of this. You kind of talk about it in relation to other things. So I'm, I'm a little curious about this. And it does apply to RX 500 series. Uh, it does apply to Vega as well. Um, and I put this well, in and there's, Go ahead. There's sort of two things I think about. Like you've got eSports right in the name, right? Yeah. Uh, so every game is convinced it's going to be the next esports game that takes off forever. Well, sure. There, there's no way to predict what the future is going to be from AMD's part to say these are the games we're going to definitely be working on. And just because something's popular doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the one that all of a sudden people are making money playing. Mm -hmm. So you, you could tie, and I, again, I mean, I, I've had some opinions about AMD's advertising in the past, uh, but I still hold hope for them. You, you tie this directly in with esports tournaments, uh, and this is where the ResX goes. So as opposed to the slide deck in that, you tie it directly in to these big tournaments that are going on. And, you know, as the next thing comes out, you sort of try and advance uh, the brand again with uh, some new updates. I don't know if that's the way they'll go, but it, it sort of made sense to me. And the other thing... Well, it struck me quickly today because uh, I was looking at some overclocked Vega cards. And they're brilliant at Vulcan and DX12. But a lot of these games that they're looking at are neither. Which, yeah, you know, in, in a way kind of gives them a bit more competitiveness against NVIDIA. Because they're saying, yeah, we're not just abandoning the old stuff. Even though we're, our architecture is built towards dealing with the new stuff and the future stuff. But we're, we're still going to go back and try and deal with some of the stuff that, you know, we're not quite as good at. But we can get better at. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm interested to see if this is just like you say a one-shot thing, or if you start seeing Resex branded tourneys happening. Yeah, I, maybe. Um, and I, I also pointed out in the end of this story that, like, super, I want AMD to continue to do this. So I don't want to like, I don't want to shit on them for like, oh, I can't believe they did this thing and they branded it and how dumb of them, whatever. Like, I don't care how they brand it in reality or how they market it or spin it or whatever. As long as they're doing the work to make the games, you know, more stable and faster, improve times, lower latencies, all that stuff, right? Yeah. But, um... Should be doing that all along. Yeah, for example, like, NVIDIA released driver 39101. This was the last email I had had from NVIDIA in my inbox, Right eight days ago or whatever it was. And they talked about seeing, you know, hey, they had done some optimizations for PUBG as well. Mm -hmm. And they saw for, uh, you know, up to 7% improvements with 1050s and, you know, at 1080p, 7% uh, with the 1080 at 25 by 14, 7% at 4K with the 1080 and 1080 Ti. So, like, they also saw some improvements, yeah. right? Maybe as a result of some of that developer work that has been occurring you know, PUBG is definitely a game that could could use some optimization on mm -hmm. all platforms that it exists. Um, so I also didn't want it to, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to like also hold AMD up on a pedestal that they're doing this thing and somehow insinuating that other the other guy is not. Right? NVIDIA still does. They still release a lot of drivers. And in fact, pretty much the only you know, information I get from them anymore is about, hey, we've got a driver that adds this feature or adds support for this game or does this thing. Improves performance right? in some so, games, yeah. Everybody's doing it. AMD needed to catch up. It looks like they are. I don't really understand the ResX side of it, why it needs to be a project ResX branded thing. Mm -hmm. But regardless, that's a positive, right? Regardless of, of why or... Yeah, or, improvements or, or, are good. I just... Do the improvements. I would feel way better about it if they said, this is the future. Like, we're going to do this, and every, every quarter we're going to pick five games, and we're going to spend the next month figuring out what these games do or something like that. I don't know. That's, that made sense to me.
Uh, let's see what else we got in here. Chronos uh, Group releases Vulcan 1.1 and Spear V 1.3. Scott wrote this up, and he's not here to talk me through it or anything. Um, essentially, the most recent update to Vulcan. Any, does anybody read this and add, see what they added specifically? They added to the API protected content, which um, allows developers to restrict access to rendering resources. So essentially rendering Necessary DRM. Necessary evils these days. What's that? Necessary evils these days, it is. unfortunately. Yes, it is. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, subgroup <laughs> operations, which... Um, basically allows individual threads of a GPU in a warp or wavefront to work together on specific instructions. Okay, sounds sounds positive. Shader compilers can use these intrinsic to speed up operations. And Scott gives some examples about uh, min-max of series of numbers, shuffles, adding, multiplying, uh, a lot of that stuff. Obviously, um, the put on a couple more. Yeah, there. Well, what's one that? more. One more. This one. Yeah. Proven extensions. Well, it looks like they're, you know, in, improved support for uh, VR stuff like uh, VR specific warp. Multi-view, yep, device groups, uh, data share, uh, allows data to be shared between APIs and whole applications, 16-bit data types. So that's good news. So like for AMD, who has um, the double, the rapid packed math, 16-bit yep. support, um, being able to do that in more APIs is obviously good. Um, yeah, so that that's good. Uh I don't have any other input to add to this necessarily. If anybody else does, feel free to chime in. But added uh, Vulcan forever, yo. So much easier to code for than DX12, effectively. Hmm? Yeah. So much easier. Are you just saying that, or do you actually mean that? No, actually, I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean it. Uh, the yeah. amount of work that programmers have to do... Uh, for is, Vulcan is kind versus of impressive DX12? For, I hadn't heard for DX12. I hadn't heard because Vulcan is still a low-level API. Like it, it, oh, it's it, totally metal. Born as born as Mantle, right? Converted, you know, moved and transferred over to Vulcan. I I I had always assumed that Vulcan and DX12 kind of had the same detail level. Anecdotally, if you look at a lot of emulators implementing Vulcan over DX12. Because it's an easier thing to implement. Is it? It's okay. kind of a wider support across hardware. Like Android, they can run on Linux. Yeah. They can run on it, it, it's almost like there's a bunch more tools in Vulkan to get some low-level type results without doing like, uh, you know, I'm going to program uh, these these atomic memory functions in, which you have to do for, you know, if I'm, if I'm remembering this correctly, for DX12. It's a lot more... Um, labor-intensive to do a lot of those same things in DX12. I mean, you've got this great granular control, but there are some programmers who are like, you know what, I like having this amount of control. I like to be able sure. to say, hey, you write to this memory. You do this. You you don't have this API uh, sitting in between and doing things and, and, and kind of, you know, this real-time compiler that says, hey, I want to have this action, and it goes through you know, a bunch of, of stages and says, hey, I'm going to automatically do it to this piece of memory, which may not be most efficient for your application. But Vulkan seems to have a lot more because, you know, it's based on Mantle and, and AMD, I think, built a lot of stuff into Mantle that made these things easier to implement with not... Oh, I mean, you can get to the same granularity, but I think there's just more tools that it built in 
to allow you to more, you know, I get, I'm, I'm just making this into word salad, but more <laughs> automatically be able to leverage the advantages as compared to what Microsoft has with DX12. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. You're saying there's less okay. boilerplate. I guess you could say that, but it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's a lot of tools involved. And, um, yeah, I mean, I like, me not I like being tools. a programmer, I can only kind of, anyway. That's fair. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Uh, so if you, if you want more, uh, background on that, read Scott's write up on it. He's obviously going to have more knowledge and background on that, uh, than anybody of here speaking about it last thing before we get to our picks far cry 5 uh when's this supposed to be out is this end of the 27th month, yeah. oh it's this month mm-hmm. march 27th yep. okay uh, so some places were able to do previews of this game apparently um and i also saw that they brought some people out to like a california ranch to like simulate what the environment was in in montana in montana yeah <laughs> yeah no no it's in california no, but the game is in Montana. It sure is, yeah. and boy, yeah. it's cold there right now. Screenshot looks really good. Yeah, I don't. I have seen only kind of like teaser trailers from over, E3. They call it a crossbow. Nice. Uh, so, <laughs> Rob over at Tech Gauge did a uh, did a preview of this. Got to spend some time with it. I I, I didn't really. I didn't even play Far Cry Four. Uh, that I was the Paleolithic one? No, that was Primal. No, that's Primal. Four was like okay, the one no. in like India, Pakistan. Yeah, like type you rode area. on an elephant. Ah, I played that one. <laughs> I, that was actually really funny. <laughs> so I launched it, and you know they do this opening scene, and my mom called. So I didn't bother to pause the game. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It can just run, and I chat with her. And after about 45 minutes, an hour, and you know, mom time, I, I come <laughs> back and I beaten the game because apparently if you just sit there and listen yes. to him and don't go anywhere after he tells you not to go anywhere you, you actually 15 win minutes the game. he comes back and takes you to the yeah <laughs> yes that's pretty good <laughs> it, it made me laugh <laughs> so bad <laughs> and you it, just closed it and never opened it again it, it, the game looks really uh, impressive a little bit more but not much the game looks really impressive. The timing uh, will be good to, to to look through some graphics cards, maybe. You know, that, well, I think most of those rumors maybe. of uh, Nvidia release at the end of this month have been shot down, so maybe that's not happening anymore. Regardless, yeah. I, honestly, at this point, I think that your main weapon should be a stick, and you should be chasing mustangs around. <laughs> do you, do you mean the car or the horse? I meant the horse. <laughs> Otherwise, the phrase doesn't work well. Fair Actually, enough. I think the car is even funnier because I can see you chasing around a fox body with a big stick. Oh, yeah, it's got to be a fox body. <laughs> Get back here! Get back here! <laughs> all right. Um, all right, so that's it. Far Cry 5 coming out soon. I do. Oh, man. I do have one new play. Oh, and you get it for free if you buy an AMD card with, or a system with a card in it, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. Not a card bundle, but a system bundle. Well, I can't buy cards Because anyways. you can't buy cards, so I think it would actually just piss people off if you said you get Far Cry 5 for free if you oh, man. think all the miners that would have <laughs> copies of Far you'd Cry be able 5. To get, you'd be able to get Far Cry 5 for five bucks on eBay. That's true. Every miner true. that buys 20 cards would sell them all, all the keys. But I bet you have to register the card with the serial number 
probably. to get the key. They can start and doing that's that. That's when like they disable the size. mining. Here we go. I, I You're know, clearly a gamer. I know Nvidia has changed it for the recent key, like CD key bundle things, where you have to actually like for you, the Destiny you, it's Two a key one on GeForce.com. Well, it, you have no. You have to enter into GeForce Experience with a GPU that was eligible for one of those promotions. Uh, saw like the, the Destiny Two one was a 1080 or 1080 Ti, and then it launched BattleNet, where you logged in and it added it to your account. You never got a yeah. key. That's clever, but also kind of shitty. Yeah, because yeah, you had to have an account. When I ordered it on, what if you had two oh, systems, When I ordered my right? 1080i on Amazon, I got the I got the email with the key in it, and I went over to like my work PC. I had yeah. GeForce Experience by yeah. chance. I was like, "Oh, sorry, you don't have an eligible GPU installed." It's like, Man, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of crappy. Yeah, oh well. Uh, so we do have one more Patreon addition who pledged six dollars and sixty six cents. Hey, that's the same price as my flight to Mexico. Uh, oh, this this new subscriber slash patron is Dick Big Dick Johnson. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Richard. Uh, nice. So uh, thank you, Mr. Johnson, for your pledge of $6.66. We greatly appreciate it. All right. To our picks of the week. Up first is mine. Um, so my, my, my group of college friends, they play video games a lot, but they play it all on consoles. And so they were guilting me into playing PUBG on the console. And uh, apparently I didn't realize this was the thing, but these guys are really into it now. The texture loading on PUBG on the Xbox is a Garbage. disaster. It's just, I don't even understand how it's possible that this game. Blurry, blurry, blurry. I don't care blurry, if it's blurry, pre. Blurry. Yeah, I don't oh, care it's if streaming it's. streaming them on the fly. What, what do they call it, the Xbox? It's a game preview program. Game preview program. So it's not like officially Early out. Access. But I cannot oh, okay. believe that Microsoft would let this come out this but, way. Uh, uh, because it's, my first thought when you said that was the Rage texture pop up. But no, it's just awful all the time. No, it, it will eventually load in. But like literally you know the game you parachute down so uh, apparently the worst thing that happens is if you land on a roof right and then you immediately go inside that building um, it doesn't like because you haven't hit the ground it doesn't know which building textures to try to stream in first <laughs> so you go in and like literally you'll just see items floating in midair because oh, the, geometry, the geometry structures haven't streamed in to fill in the rest of the building um, but the key, the, apparently, the fix for this, or a a way to accelerate it, and make it a lot better, is to use uh, an SSD. Mm-hmm. But you can't change the internal drive on an Xbox like you can Not a PS4. Easily. Not easily. Okay. So you use a USB three to SATA dongle for your SSD, and as long as it supports UASP, it's the newer form form of USB three. It's actually faster through the external drive than it is through the internal drive. Even okay. on the even on the Xbox One X, that's huh. the case apparently. That's Even though sad. the Xbox One X moves from SATA two to SATA three, gen third gen stuff, I think. So, so, so the, you just tell the Xbox put the game on that other drive. Yeah, it's actually it's a, that system is is great, right? So you actually like I I had a 500 gig SSD, I plugged it in, I plugged the USB into the drive. Xbox pops up and says, "Hey, you got new storage. You can use it for uh, like save games without formatting it, mm-hmm. or if you want to use it to move games to install games to." Format it. I said, yep, format it, do it. And then um, you just go into the settings, go into like the storage management, highlight the game, you hit the select button, and it's like you can just move it to the other one. And it just moves the installation of the other drive, and, you know, there you huh. go. So and it, and it worked better, and it did load in the textures significantly faster. But it's just pretty hmm. shitty. That in order to do that, you have to buy, you know, in this case, it's a $12 StarTech uh, SATA 3 hard drive adapter UASP 
USB, you know, and you need adapter. the SSD, and you need the SSD, right? Clearly, but and this dongle hanging out the back of your yeah, Xbox. Yeah, so now I've just got this Xbox One with a SATA drive kind of hanging off to the side, <laughs> bare extended. <laughs> if it's good enough for Apple, you know. Yeah. Uh. I think yeah. most of my other friends right, actually bought like an external dock to put the SSD in, so it's like yeah. a little cleaner. Not me. No, bare Send drive. The 20 instead of the 12. Out there, extended. So, all right. All right, that's it. Download Far Cry 4, or no, uh, Fallout 4, and do the texture pack and see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, Alan. Wait, I got Alan on here next. That's odd. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah, and Deep Space Waifu Collection, which I'm really worried about. Excuse me? <laughs> You oh, link to the Steam specials, and the top one is Deep Space Waifu oh, Collection. Well, I, I, that's not what I was interested in. But <laughs> oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, instead of instead of looking out for like the emails that talk about the Steam sales that are going on, or when you go to just in the Steam client, you'll just see like the you know if there's a big sale event going on, they'll have some sales. But there's usually specials just going on all the freaking time. Okay. Uh, and if you go there and like sort by user reviews instead of just by like, how come half the stuff is waifu on on your? <laughs> Serious, I'm getting a bit it's, worried. It's showing here. that for it's, it's showing that for. They just get the well, best user reviews. Actually, this, this this list gives you. It doesn't matter who you oh, are. Oh, you, you got Nian Cat. Love at first sight. Oh, I feel, yeah. Yeah. Let's Maybe sort we by don't want to trust Steam ratings after all. <laughs> no, there's some there's some good stuff <laughs> well, at the top there. Like uh, didn't, didn't here, what you should actually do else. is not sort by user reviews. Sort by relevance. And there's now you know that Near Autonoma is selling for fifty percent. You guys off. still doing uh, PC per plays? No, not nah. Well, maybe you should start up a waifu thing. <laughs> oh, God, no. Apparently, no, it gets a lot of attention. I've already got a waifu thing going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what I mean. I have a great mm. pillow collection. Or <laughs> <laughs> any games that stood out, Alan, when you looked at that? Uh, you're just, just trying to spend money. Is that what you're doing? No. I just, uh, like, there's that. The second, Re- well, if you go back to the other sort. I did. Relaxing uh, Puzzle Box. That's a collection of games that uh, the Clocky was a pretty popular puzzler. Mm-hmm. Okay, that looks back. Yeah, there it and, is. And, like, that guy, makes, that guy makes some other games, and, you know, there's some okay. of those are on sale for pretty cheap. Uh, if you go back, there's a uh, Tomorrow Corporation collection. That's the guy that did uh, World of Goo. Okay. Ooh. Mm-hmm. He's, he makes some pretty good games. So, like, you'll see, like, you know, sales from other games made by, you know, in- indie game developers. That Got it. All right. You know, enough. maybe not the huge blowout you'll see, like, with the Valve collection or whatever, where everything's already, you know, compounded 40% on top of 50% off for the group yeah. or whatever, right? But... You know, there's still sales. There's still stuff that you wouldn't necessarily have seen advertised, uh, you know, separately, and you know, wouldn't have. Uh, Perfect. Like Dead Space Two is seventy five percent off. Yeah, right now it's really old. But yeah, it's old, it. but it's seventy five percent off, right? Like that's you know, ooh, app game. Yeah, it could, it could sit bundle. in your unplayed Steam games for half off. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a and then there's a Dead Space collection bundle. Which is uh, Dead Space and Dead Space Two are both seventy five percent off. All right, all right, there you go. Yeah, spend some more money, I guess, on games you probably won't play, as Josh pointed out. Uh, who's next? Who has the uh, cable matters? Oh well, cables matter, man. Well, so I, I was really annoyed with our installer at the new office uh, because. 
they installed HDMI 1.3 converters. We, I, I convinced them that, you know, it's a really smart idea to do HDMI to the Cat 5 or Cat 6, mm-hmm. go through the walls, and away you go. Everything's lovely. So they put in a bunch, and yeah, it'll do 1080p, but we got 4K TVs. And don't ask me how my office manager sold that one, but we got like a dozen 4K TVs now. Uh, but I'm like, your HDMI is not going to do with this, and I'm kind of annoyed at it, so we should get these replaced. And so I decided to do a quick little search and realize that, yeah, if you want 4K resolution on HDMI to RJ45, they start at 500 bucks a pop. This strikes me as bizarre, and I'm part, part of this pick is because I'm curious if I've gone horribly wrong and someone actually knows of a good solution to it. But apart from that, I did convince them that, you know, it would be nice to have a single source and then you can send it to TVs on one side of the office and the other side. So we picked up some of these, which are, uh, we got them for a little cheaper than the 90 bucks that they're at now, but it'll do up to 300 feet. And they come with a, a nice kit so you can install them under a table, do whatever you want with them. It's, it is kind of neat. I'm still disappointed that I can't do more than 1080p. Wait a minute, go back up two pictures. Oh, so just it comes those And it comes cables? with an HDMI cable. So I mean, hey, it's it's not that bad a deal. So the interesting thing is, uh, Ken and I used these at one point. Not these specific ones, but we used yeah. HDMI over cat. We used like five. more passive ones. So yeah. we used yeah, two cables. Yeah. I convinced convert. them not to use the passive ones just because they generally tend to have issues. Ours, sure. ours worked fine, I think, for most okay. applications, except we had a really good idea of, uh, like, we had, what do you call that, uh, the board we had, Ken, that we could swap the cables around on? Uh, patch panel. We had a patch panel where we were going to be able to say, okay, like, these four ports could either be data or video, and all we have to do is, like, go switch mm-hmm. the cables that connected them all. It was overly complicated. Um, it did work. I think we used them for, like, our cameras. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Like when we were doing po- – at the old office, when we were doing podcasts. That's why there is a thousand foot of Ethernet in that ceiling. Yeah, yeah. and we left it all there. Yep. So such is life. <laughs> yeah. We're moving out of that place. The whole place was empty. We looked up. And we're like, no. How much do you want that cable? Not that much. <laughs> hey, there's like $20 worth of copper up there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Ken, Ken's found one that claims to do 4K HDMI. Over uh, seventy meters, it's HDMI one point four, so it's four K thirty. But four K thirty for that, yeah, four K thirty, it would be good enough. No. I mean, we're not going to be doing anything more than that. For you a already while. had like you couldn't run yeah, that's new bad. cable, right? Like for your thing, you already just had the cat, cat six. Yeah, the it, we got the the cat six run because uh, it's getting we're getting cat six run, and it's like yeah, just do these ones, but label them HDMI and don't. Terminate yeah. them back in the server room, yep. or in the one case, terminate them here because we're going to be putting in an HDMI source and then broadcasting it out. Right. So we can all watch our own propaganda because you know work is strange. Right. Interesting. Cool. All right. Who's got uh, the Ryzen? I guess I know. You're, You're muted. muted. One day. I feel a bad CPU Ryzen. Mm. No, so it's terrible. <clears throat> it was. Uh, even though we've got Zen Plus coming up within the next couple of months, uh, they're going to see a couple of nice specials. And the 1800X for 309 wow. yeah. is still a very good 
buy. Even uh, if you consider the leaks that you have seen over the past couple of days of the Ryzen 2000 series, this is still a good price in terms of performance, TDPs. It's it's a good thing. Sure, the next generation, well, not next generation, but the... uh, the new stuff that will come up will have better latencies, will have a little bit better power draw, a little higher clock speeds. But if you're in the market for buying one now, it's still a very competitive price, even considering what's coming up in the next several months. So, there you go. 310 bucks for an 1800X is a good deal. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, I guess I'll leave Sebastian. So if you've shopped for GPUs, you obviously know that there's a bit of a shortage. <laughs> and we've seen DDR4 <laughs> prices rise to twice what they were like a year and a half ago. All right. All and right. then I was delighted to discover that this is sort of carried over into the PSU space where you go shopping for a power supply and realize that all the higher wattage power supplies are either inflated or out of stock everywhere. So I was hunting around because I needed a couple of power supplies for some reason. And uh, even like Amazon, third-party sellers, anybody who actually had one in stock, it was all way too much. And Corsair has a refurbished store I'd never visited before. They have various things on there, including power supplies. And... uh, those are good prices. They're a, yeah, they're very good prices. Uh, they're not like super low. Like they're thirty or forty dollars less than a new one. But my experience buying a couple of power supplies from them was they shipped like a day later, and shipping was like nine bucks. So very reasonable, and full warranty with them. The stuff actually looked brand new. I know anytime anything is repackaged, it has to be sold as refurbished, it can't be sold as new again. But all the like modular cables that came with the power supplies were brand new. The power supplies looked and like had that brand new smell. But these uh like 179 bucks for the 1000 watt HX series yeah. is very very good. Some of the, I mean scroll through I mean I like that AX860 that goes from 199 to 139. Mm. Yeah. Very good prices and I don't see any difference between this and a new one personally but you can actually get them in stock whereas i looked on newegg and amazon a few minutes ago and the same power supplies either 219 or 230 or ships in one to two months or only available through third-party sellers so yeah it seems like a reliable place to go and look at what their current inventory is interesting good find all right everybody that's going to be it for this week's episode, again, pcper.com slash podcast is the URL you go to find our show notes, our links, files, RSS, all the stuff. All the stuff you need is at pcper.com slash podcast. We will be back next week with another riveting episode of this very same show. Episode, uh, will, at that point, will only be nine weeks away from the most exciting 500th episode Ooh. ever. So uh, thanks, everybody, for hanging out. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.
This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Get $100 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash PC per 100 and using promo code PC per 100 at checkout. 